Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 289 of Cyclocross Radio. On this show, we are talking about the sand races, Kokesida, Zonhoven, we'll also uh, touch on Hulahem in there as well. They got a little sand section, so that counts too. Uh, yeah, and we kind of do a deep dive into those races and also just some more bird's eye view about what's going on in global cyclocross. We did not touch on any of the USA Cycling World's team selection. That all happened. We recorded on Monday. That all happened on Tuesday. Uh, I'm sure we'll have much more to say about that in coming weeks. But for this episode, we are blessed with not having to discuss criteria, reserve riders, full allotments, metal capabilities, or any of those other shenanigans that always pop up this time of year. Hey, uh, if you are a new Wide Angle Podium Podcast Network member and you joined during our membership drive, I just dropped off all of the Wide Angle Podium beanies into the into the mail. So you should be getting those soon. And thank you. For, for those who are not a member, there may not be a beanie for you. I don't know. We got some left over. Maybe we can work something out. But we'd love for you to donate to your favorite Wide Angle Podium shows. You can go to wideanglepodium.com, hit the donate button, and then just uh, that, that, that makes you a member. And then you get to decide which races you want to, which races, <laughs> which shows you want to support. Like the Slow Ride Podcast, Nowhere Fast, Criterium Nation, Grodio, or this here show, Cyclocross Radio. WideAnglePodium.com. Become a member. Real quick programming note about what you're going to hear in 15 seconds. When Michael first comes on, his uh, local recorder was not recording, so I had to use some scratch audio. That's only for the first little clip that I speak to him, and then the next time you hear him, everything's back to normal, and we're uh, smooth sailing for the rest of the episode. All right, it's episode 289 of Cyclocross Radio. We're in the media pit. We got Michael and Zach. We're talking about the sand, and we're doing all of it right now. We are back in the media pit. Uh, th- th- this is a good one. Michael's back, which is good because we're talking about sand racing, and he 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 was actually on assignment uh, doing doing some research at the at the beach for the week. So what what'd you learn, Michael? <laughs> I learned uh, that I like the sand a lot, and I'm actually this is funny. I just saw a notification for the Cajun Coke Saddle coming up in two weekends. That I'll be racing at, so I, I'm all the, I'm all the sand. I'm a sandy guy now. So were, were you like just lying on the beach, just just visualizing what it would like? Would visualizing how how you would do in a Klaus Van Tornout type beach race? I was thinking, you know, like for the sand, like depending on the type of sand, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, a little more grittier, you probably want a wider tire. I was, you know, I was in the tropics. It was it was coral sand, limestone, you know, something a little finer, smaller. Yeah, I was. That's what I was thinking about. 
No, I wasn't actually thinking about Cross at all. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I checked out literally and figuratively, and it was great. And Zach checking out checking out the uh, the shores of Lake Michigan. Yes, yes. I I went over to uh, to Montrose Harbor and was was checking it out. Um, I know there's a there's a good chunk. I was kind of bummed. There's a good chunk they couldn't use for the race because it's like a, a natural area that they're restoring. So I'm hoping that they find a way to do more sand. But it's really hard because like there's this huge like breaker wall where there's a little bit of sand, and then on the other side there's lots of sand. And I was like, I think one of the guys who did the race, he's like, oh, what do you think? And I was like, is there a way to just like can we put a? He was like we need to fly over like Ostenda. And I was like, you need to fly over like Ostenda. You just need to go out onto that sand, maybe like all the way out to Lake Michigan for no reason and come back. So that would be pretty <laughs> sick if they, uh, if they, you know, take that inspiration from Ostenda and do, uh, do the mega flyover to get to the beach. The United airlines flyover. I mean, it's right there. Yes. Yeah. They got a United has to get on this. They got, they could find, they could, they could, they could find enough change between seat cushions on like a flight and 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 fund that. It's nothing for them. <laughs> I love it. That's a great idea. Uh, so so we got some we got some racing. Yeah. So we got like two two sand monuments. Got Coxida, Zonhoven, and then we have another backyard cross stuck in the middle of it. Hulaham. Uh, should we just um, just go in order? Should we just uh, just just start with the uh, would Cokeside be the queen? Is that a, is that a it, it, that's it's a monument for sure, right? It's a a monument despite not being a World Cup anymore. Well, that's a that's a good question because I was thinking one. Typically, these races were back in October, so I think right. Typically, they're kind of like October, early November. Like Zonhoven was definitely an October race, and they've they've moved around. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that we always looked at Kochsida as like this this higher one because it was a World Cup, and Zonhoven was a mere you know super prestige for for so long. So yeah, I would say that Kochsida has a little bit more. I mean, it's had worlds there like what, like three times at least. It's uh, yeah, some just huge races that have taken place in the past. There's more sand at Cokeside too, right? So like more sand. Cokeside is more sand. No, right? Because there's a yeah. lot more sand at Cokeside. Zonehoven is just right. To right, kill. exactly. To kill. Um, so that's more royalty. I yeah. think. No, I'm right, glad I, that you jumped in and tried to pronounce it. We were debating this in the. The pre the pre recording green room, um, but Bill, you were I think you I'm going to punt on this again. You did some research. Well, I, I still don't know. I mean, I can't pronounce Puck's name, so I'm not going to pronounce Decole the way that she did. But if you look at like 10 seconds into her uh, her, her her course preview, she she pr- pronounces it. I think she's with a. Uh, is it Laura Mongraff that she's uh, with? Yeah, yeah the both Mongraf, of them. Yeah. That again, I, I, they're they're the best things going. I think that she she has yep. nailed the uh, GoPro uh, preview. She's got um, she's funny. She's in there. She's I was uh, texting to you all. She sounds like Ricky Bobby when somebody was uh, saying that they almost won and are like almost winning's losing. And I was like, all right. <laughs> 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 I think at one point she was uh, descending into Nicole and uh, kind of like got um, Vanderpool to get out of the way because he was running and she was riding, which was a which was a moment after both of them were behind him, heckling him to whip uh, 
things, which was uh, pretty hilarious. So yeah, good time. So go check out those if you haven't already. But um, the racing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think my takeaway starting with the women's race uh, was that on the last show, we talked about, you know, DCAM, where Shireen Van Anroy got stuck in a bad spot. <laughs> uh, and, you know, uh, Puck Peterson kind of rode away from her and she was never able to, to come back. And then at the next race at Leeuwenhout, she was kind of like, aha, uh, I, I'm going to learn from this. And, you know, she was on it from the beginning. And man, at Coxida, she was just like on a mission from the uh, from the start of the race. You know, she was in a good position again. I think she was like third or fourth wheel. But like once they came off that kind of iconic first wall that they got, she descended and then she just hit it, you know, and Femme Van Empel was in a bad spot. She was back in like seventh wheel or something like that. And so, you know, I think the knock earlier in the season on Van Enroy, we'd see where she would start slowly and kind of have to diesel her way back into the race. And I think to me, she's shown a lot in terms of just adapting and being like, all right, Puck's going to go out insanely fast. So is Femme Van Empel. And hey, guess what? Like, I'm really good too. And she can do that too. So I think that she's kind of made I don't know, made those adjustments, right? I don't know, like changed her scheme or whatever it might be. You know, the NFL playoffs are starting soon and uh, has really changed the way she raced. And, uh, you know, a little bit of credit. We talked about it in the last show. Maybe she'll listen to the show. I don't know. I I just think this is this is one of these opportunities that we have. And I, I feel like we've seen it with Shireen. She, she is somebody who is able to do the homework, come back, ace the test, like at every, every stage. And it seems like even earlier this year, and then she went and she had that, that road camp and came back and all through cursed period. And now is, is a, a topper. I mean, she's she's pretty much unbeatable. We went, you know, I mean, at least in the last couple of races, but somebody who I think we were talking about as uh, sort of in that Pitcock spot is like, is she, is she one of the Kings here? Is she, is she, is it her femme and Puck or is she like on a different level? And she's made the case so much now that she is not only on their level, but possibly a little above it that now I think the talk that we're going to get from today until worlds is, should she go up and race elites since now Puck has also made, made the step up, which kind of assures her a U23 world championship. So it's, it's got, it's kind of like where she was never even in that discussion before now to it's like, well, I, I feel like, you know, you sort of hearing the, the, the vibes of, well, everybody else is doing it. You should too, because you're at their level. Yeah. I just, I think she even mentioned it at the end of Zonhoven and you know just looking at her last results she's won the last 5 out of 6 races. It's like Bill, your question, who's the best women's cyclocross racer in the world right now? I would say Shireen the Sand Queen. I mean, I think and you know, you said you said Pucks announced she's going to race because I was thinking about the Dutch National Championships coming up. I was like, "Oh, wait, who's the women's Dutch National Champion?" And I, I was like, "I haven't seen that jersey." It's it's Mariana Voss, who's also the world champion, who really we just have not seen much of this year. Um, so thinking that was a that was a big race that these women would possibly be targeting, um, very important. And you know, Puck's racing up, Fenn's racing up, so that leaves Shireen. And I I don't know. I saw Cyclocross Twenty Four said they were sort of like hoping that she stayed in the U twenty three category, 
and I could see if maybe you were a little bit of OCD and you wanted to hit all the check all the boxes on the way up. Sure. Um, but like she's clearly the elitist rider out there. And I mean, I I want to see her race elites. I, I, I think she could win world champs. I mean, we've seen what a rider she is now. Like the I was thinking underrated technical rider like so good in the sand like yeah why why can't she she could she could win worlds like i don't, I could totally see it sounds like we need uh some power rankings for the top cycle i mean this is just keep changing right like that's the ultimate reason that you do power rankings is that it's constantly constantly changing it's been a good season so are you coming it. in are you saying that shireen is the top cyclocross racer in the world right now yes okay that's yeah. a bold statement Oh, are we, oh, we just general or men and women? Well, that's how it's been all year, my line. guy. It's been all year. It's best cyclocross racer in the world. No, we've divided no, it. We no, we haven't. No, 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 no. We have not. Fine, fine. I'm getting. Yeah, I'm giving Shireen. So yeah, I'll stick right. with it. It's a bold statement. She's racing really well right now. Oh, picking a U23 racer as the no, I, I, I think she's definitely up there. And I, I hope that. I, I even saw a comment too saying that. U23 World Championship doesn't mean anything. Why, you know, why would you do that if you can compete for the elites? And I was like, whatever. I think, I think for her, especially at that age, I don't know. I, I hope she doesn't feel pressured to, to move up. And I think it, there is no, it is not a mark against her if she wants to stay in the U23 and, and, and race that, that race. She's got plenty of time to, to win some elite championships. I kind of always had the sense that Puck was going to do it. I mean, I guess I've been saying that she'd be silly not to, but I mean, do you guys, do you guys think that like, you know, she's doing these funny videos? Do you think like in the parts that get cut out, people are like sandbagger, you going to race you 23s, you know, are they going to start like, right? I mean, that's what we do, right? I'm like, oh, you're sandbagging. <laughs> are they going to do that to Shireen as well and be like, what are you not going to, not going to step up and, and join them? I mean, um, probably, I mean, I, and maybe she should. I mean, granted, to be a much more exciting world cha- world championship with that field. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like, yeah, I think that at this point, you know, I wrote whichever the race before we knew about Puck, whichever the race had two of the three. Um, yeah, and it's like, let's put all three. Let's put on the best show because you know, I mean, chances are good that it won't be a good show in the U23 women's race. It was a banger last year, perhaps even better than the elite women's race last year. So like, you know, put on a good show. I think like uh, in front of the home, home country fans, why not? Yeah. I mean, you say she has plenty of chances to win an elite world championship, but Hey, look at when Alvarado won, we thought she was going to win like five in a row. And then the things, everything changed. I mean, I was just like, just looking at watching uh, highlights and, and, you know, seeing brand sprint for third at Coke or just, you know, get that third place and go, wow, it, the dynamic of this field has changed so much in the last two years. It's so amazing. And so like, like if you're on a hot streak, Bill, heat check, like Shireen, what is it? A month away? Like, let's do it. I, I can be swayed to that. I, I you're absolutely right. And, and even as I was saying, she'll have plenty of other opportunities. She'll have those opportunities, but she may not be in the same place that she is now as far as just flying. And yeah, I, it's, it's, it's a, it's a tough call. It's a, it's a really tough call, but I think it's cool that we are in that, we're in that situation where we have such talented riders. I was trying to look like who, do, who does that open it up for in the U23 field? 
Lene, Berkier, possibly Zoe. Um, and Lauren Mullengraff's a junior. She's a junior, still, yeah. Right? Okay, yeah, because I would say she'd be a hot. She's won every Juniors World Cup race, I believe. Michael, I totally agree with you that, you know, and I, we've always said, like, right, like in cycling, you might only get one good year. In sport, in cycling, nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed in the future in sport. And, like, sometimes you're hot. Like, if you're hot, you got to roll with that. We see that all the time in sports, right? The team that wins the wild card in baseball or football and ends up winning the Super Bowl or winning the World Series, you know, in March Madness, it's the team that, you know, might win five games at the end of the season and come in hot and then they get all the way to the final four. So like nothing's certain. And you're right. If you're on a hot streak, why? I mean, are you kind of blowing it on the 23 race? If you think that you have a shot, if you feel two weeks from now that you're still going really well, like let's say she wins Dutch, Dutch national. She'll probably race the elite late. I would assume she'll race the elite race there. Um, If you're hot, you're hot and go with it. I mean, she could race U 23s and then I don't know, get a mechanical, you know, she could lose, right? So it's like, what's the downside of racing elites? Yeah, the, the, the funny thing is when when Alvarado did it, she was the only one. You know, we were like, well, that's a that's a pretty bold move. And then she went out there and won it. And it was like amazing. But here it's like the whole the whole top of the field is is could be U twenty three racers. So it's a it's a little a little different little different dynamic where you have three people trying to do what Alvarado is is crazy, and now now Alvarado is just one of the one of the olds that's uh, trying to fight for relevancy. Yeah, I was thinking about if this was going to happen. It's kind of like what races are going to be interesting at Worlds, and so it'll be either in the elite women's race, right? It'll be the race for either third or fourth, depending on what happens in the elite men's. It's probably going to be the race for third. <laughs> for talking about the ones, it would be the race. If if Shireen chooses to race U twenty threes, it would be the race for second place in the U twenty three women's women's race. Um, I mean, I guess like the the elite races will be the, the, at the front too, but like the secondary races will be like these ones that you're like, ah, oh, that's probably going to be what people are competing for. Yeah, and and just to to bring it all the way back to Coke Sida, so Shireen ends up really just from from the gun as you said Zach taking that race and taking the lead winning it by 15 seconds over Van Empel and then Lucinda best of the rest uh, minute 10 back in third place anything else we need to cover in that women's race no Petersa in that one well I'll say that Van Empel looked tentative at the beginning of the race, especially, it seemed like it took her a while to ride into this one, which was kind of interesting because, again, she's been a rider who, I mean, right, they've changed the game. We talked about when the game, funny, we talked about the game changed two years ago when it got really fast at the start. And then these kids are like, we're going to go even faster. And I, there's just like, there were some corners where she looked tentative and some sections in the sand. I think, you know, when... um she was kind of moved up when she got into the sand and like her dismount was just super slow and Shireen was just off and running and she kind of almost like held up the riders behind her and it was just really uncharacteristic um, of her, you know, in addition to getting a bad start in that race. So I, I don't know. She just didn't look, she looked incredible at ball. And then these last couple of races, I, I don't know. It just, she hasn't, she's finished second, in both of them, but she just hasn't been at that. She hasn't been at best cyclocross racer in the world level. Is it poor form that Yumbo Visma is not a professional cyclocross team? 
Is that are you saying that because of like her jersey? Is she not getting the sponsors? No, they didn't pay. They didn't pay to be a. You can tell by the by the results. Her team name's not on the results. It's like thirteen hundred bucks. Yeah, that is poor form. Come on, come on. They've got like a multi million dollar operating, but like mid mid two figure millions, and they can't pay thirteen hundred dollars to support like two potential world champions. Like Wow Wow could just flick off a couple bills from his start money. (laughs) Pay for that thing. I I mean they have the current world champion, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Poor form. All right. So we move over to that men's race, Coke Sida. Um, so I guess, you know, as, as we mentioned before, we don't have to debate about who the, if, if there are three Kings anymore, because one has just basically quit cyclocross and has gone back to the road. Uh, Pitcock done, I think for the season, right? Does he have anything else scheduled? I think theoretically he had one of like maybe Benendorm on his calendar, but uh, it seemed like that was a, uh, it sounded like a, a peace out. Yeah. Yeah. He seems. Did, did, did it, where did he announce that? Cause I was actually looking for that in research and the last thing he posted on Instagram was like starting to love cross again. Uh, interview after like, ball. Oh. No. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It was interview after ball. I think um, that's when he okay. did the reveal. Um, so this, I guess this race, I guess I'm focusing on the starts. You know, Bill, last week we made a big deal about talking about the Michael Jordanization of Matthew Vanderpool. And then he just threw it out the window. Ooh. Like, <laughs> Coke Sida. He was just like, yeah, no, no, uh, I'm not going to do that anymore. I mean, his first lap was so fast. Uh, and, you know, I think it took Wow a little bit to kind of get in the game. And it was actually Lauren Swack who did the work of kind of like covering the move early on, uh, you know, and um, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting to me that he was like, I'm going to go do the thing. And then he was like, Oh, I guess I'm going to keep doing the thing that I like to do. Is it a, we talk about this tactic sometimes when you're, you're not feeling it in the past the this Vanderbilt tactic is always like, you know, I, I think he even got criticized by people saying you're making bad TV, you know, you're not you're not a professional. A professional entertainer would hang around for a couple laps, make this a race, and then go off and win it. And I think that that is what uh, sparked one of our favorite quotes from of all time from Matthew Vanderpool, which is like, "I get paid to win bike races," and that's what he used to do. He would go win bike races, and he didn't care if he made it boring for everyone watching. That's what he was out there to do. We also talk about when you're not feeling it, okay, go do that heat check early. Go like out there and just try to crush it, and maybe it'll work out. He's still Matthew Vanderpool. Maybe it works out. Maybe he gets a 30-second gap and is just being able to hold on till the end. Obviously, he wasn't able to do that here, and obviously, the guy ain't feeling good. He just physically just does not like he's look like he's feeling good. Lots of stretching, lots of back issues. Yeah, and I kind of had a feeling coming into this race, just knowing how much running there is, um, you know, especially in that one. I, I guess I would say it's the iconic section, the long double straight coming the beginning of the lap. I was just like, it just seemed like this was going to be a tough one on his back. And that that kind of that played out. I mean, he wasn't able to really get away. Wout, Wout was riding things better. And then when Wout finally made his move at that long section, you know, he just exploded into it and. 
you know, like his running, like Wout's running is just so crazy. It's wild to think that this guy who is like won the green Jersey and, you know, has won tour stages and stuff like that. He's like, Oh, by the way, I'm just going to get really good at running too for cyclocross. My, my hobby that I do, you know, my second season, cause I still love doing well. I think that just like speaks to, I don't know him as an athlete. Again, it just goes back to like what we've always, we've always said about him. Uh, as an athlete and that's part of how he got his gap it was crazy he went so fast <laughs> yeah i mean road racers aren't even supposed to you know you go back to the 80s and 90s and they were yelled at if they were walking like you're just supposed to be at home with your feet up and our guys out there uh running 5ks like on a daily so can we talk about can we talk about matthew for a little bit i've been wanting to talk about matthew i've been wanting to talk about vanderpool sense worlds and the just the cloud over Vanderpool, this that last part of the season coming into this year, and just the one of the quotes he said was like he talked about worlds. You mean just for for our cyclocross friends out there? You're talking about road worlds. Sorry, yes, road worlds. And I was also briefly confused there for a moment, and I I finally picked on up when uh, on what Michael was laying down. But yes. Okay, the end of the road, this last road season in Australia, Vanderpool had an incident. I mean, I think it was it was after that race, um, or maybe something else. He was talking about how he doesn't have many chances left. Like, he, he, was a, he was a missed opportunity, right? Maybe it was Worlds, maybe it was a different race. But just the idea that, like, he's like, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm getting older. And we're like, oh, you know, you're so young. You're, you're, he's 28, 27 years old. But as we said before, like he's been racing for a long time. The guy has been phenomenal in so many in ways. And I sort of like want, like, have we passed peak Vanderpool? And if I've talked about this on the show, I apologize, but I want, I feel like it sort of needs to be brought up again, just because this, you know, he's getting second. So like, it's, it's not like the end of the world. He's not like, he's not falling off the map in terms of like results wise. But as you guys are talking about it and you saw it in Zonhoven too, it's just that guy with that amazing snap and that ability, that surge of power, just not there anymore. And it's like, the one thing is, will is be interesting to see is like, can he find a way to win again? Like, and not just use brute force, right? And I think that's something we you even talking about. Like, tactically, do you not go out and do the Vanderpool thing from the beginning? Like, does he find a way, you know, to, you know, get better at defense? I don't know. Like, I'm just curious if there's like a way where we're going to see some sort of resurgence in the Vanderpoolness, but it's adapted to sort of where like his new reality with his back. Is this conversation different? If you remove Wout from the equation. Yes. Isn't, and that's, uh, that's sort of the crazy thing. Again, we're talking, I, I don't, I, I think there's validity to what you're saying, but I also think that, and we are just going to just beat this into the ground. We're looking at two generational talents here. And there have been times in the past where we could just completely, you know, flip the table and say, but for Vanderpool, would Wout be the greatest cyclocross racer out there and winning everything? And we'd be like, well, what's wrong with Wout? Why can't he win? It was like, well, because he has this guy out there who's just better. But I do think that we are at a place now where 
Yeah, and I said it last week, and, and before that, Vanderpool's just not healthy, and and now we're seeing signs of it. We're seeing it manifest. We're seeing him stretching all the time. We're seeing him complaining about back pain. It's just, it's just not. He's just not at his peak yet. He's still thirty seconds better than the rest of the field, but for one guy. And on the other side of the coin, you, you look at. Wout and like even Jeremy in his in his commentary was talking about this guy's still getting better. Like this guy's still learning things about how to race cyclocross and is improving even at the ripe old age of twenty eight. And it's kind of like so the the potential is there. It's just like you know, looking at both of them is 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 the body willing. And and I'll also just to end this go back to what I was saying last week when we were making comps for Vanderpool. I mean I I think the Tiger Woods comp is just becoming more and more in line to with what we're saying. And it's exactly what you were saying, Michael. It's you think that he has all of the opportunities in the world. This guy's just going to keep winning championships, keep winning races and nothing can derail him. And then it's just these chronic injuries that seeping and all of a sudden are like, Oh wow. Have we seen the best of him? You know, it's, it's, I, I think it's, it's sad. I hope it's not true. I hope it's something, you know, like Wout who had that horrific, uh, crash and accident and had to sort of build up from nothing. And it's come back even stronger. Can we see that from Vanderpool still? Can, can he still like do that and come back and sort of rebuild himself and come back as the athlete he was before and Zach, is he willing to take the time and actually stop racing to be able to do that? Well, and I guess, you know, you talked about uh, the Vanderpool when he was winning and not putting on a show. And it comes back to the thing that we always say is like, wow, is the consummate professional. And we even saw at Hulahem where he just he hung around. He gave everyone a good show. You know, he let he let Ailey go head to head with him. And I think I, I look at him and I just kind of wonder if he's taken the route that like LeBron and Tom Brady have where they're like, I'm in this for the long haul and I'm doing everything humanly possible to take care of my body. I just I find it hard to believe that Vanderpool is doing the things that he needs to do in terms of like perfect nutrition and taking care of his body and maintenance. I bet Wout does yoga. I, I would, I'd be shocked if he didn't do like yoga and stuff like that. Um, and I, I just, you know, he's in it for the long haul. And like you said, he's still getting better and entering his peak. Uh, but also part of it, I wonder too, you know, Curtis talked about losing a lot really motivates you. And I just kind of wonder if, you know, being second fiddle to Vanderpool, like, if you're on top, you don't focus on your weaknesses. You're just like, oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm better than everyone. You know, with Wow, he's like, I need to pick up every second, right? I think that's, I wrote a story about how Curtis took losing and not winning and he worked on those, those weaknesses of his and he ended up winning national championship because of it. And it's like, you know, I think there's a couple factors at play and yeah, Vanderpool doesn't really seem like maybe, I mean, I, I don't know, but it just seems like he probably did not treat his body quite the way that that wow did and you know it's it's really bearing fruit for him right now but it's also it's i think it's a good point zach about the sort of being second all the time and, and, and having that sort of fire in you i also think too that like it's if it's the back it's it's just it's one of those things where it, it is like something that maybe you can't fix like or you you can't fix it where you're 100 percent all the time again and i mean I just, I, once again, I'm going back to like this last, last fall where is like 
after Worlds, I think I just remember from social media, Wow, like went on a vacation with his family and was like, I think he was stayed in Australia and like was hiking and doing all kinds of things. And you're like, oh, this dude is like totally like disconnecting, like family time, mental reset. And like Vanderpool, you know, was like getting extradited or not. He wasn't, but he was leaving the country and like having all that shit and just all the mental stuff and just kind of thinking how that like that sort of is the off, that was the start of the off season and like that's how you went into it um completely different thing and i think we're seeing a completely different thing in the races now and i guess the the thing that's wild is that if either one of these doesn't exist both of them probably have seven world championships and we're already like at age 28 they're the greatest cyclocross racer of all time like that's just what's wild right like you have to assume like that that's probably what would have happened i mean maybe they have like six but I, I don't know. It's still just wild that that's the case, and that's the way that we we talk about it, um, because they do have this this nemesis and this foil uh, again, who's at like the 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 ultimate peak of of the sport. Anything else we want to talk about Coke Sida? We really don't give in, get into the sort of the tactics of Coke Sida. It, it is uh, one of my favorite courses. I think there are so many uh, features in there that have a bearing on how you do and are just great kind of a benchmarks for, for how strong athletes are. We were talking about before we started recording, there's that kind of that left hand uphill, um, sand climb that back when I was doing Svenness videos eight, nine years ago was always, that was always what I looked for. Like who can ride that and where they're riding it. And that was usually a, a good indicator that in the, um, the one eighty uh, kind of deep, rut you know those just these things that you could watch and it was just such a great uh great barometer of cyclocross strength and skill and just seeing where people are at so it's always you know coke side has always been one of my favorites if you go back and watch those we had like nine years ago i think i did one where it was uh uh sven versus niels albert which was a great one and then the next time you know the sword sort of the same ones and it was uh it came down to sven and um Sven and Kevin Powell's in the end coming back and uh, out sprinting Sven for a for a fun one as well. It's just some some good good old timey cyclocross. So I have two trivia questions for today, and since we're on Matthew and Wout, one of them is about them. So I'll just I'll get it in now. Uh, this is kind of giving away a spoiler, but Wout also won at Zonhoven. So in the last two years, head to head, Wout has won eight of the eleven matchups, which is a seventy two point seven winning percentage. Take those out. Prior to that, Matthew Vanderpool against Wout Van Aert, did he have a higher or lower head-to-head winning percentage than 72.7%? I'm going to say with about 60 more races and he had a higher. I'll say lower, but it was like 71%. It was not that much lower. Michael's correct. It was uh, 115 out of 167 for a 68.9%. Michael Michael gets the win here. So, um, But that's just crazy, right? Like, Wout's been winning everything, and that's how dominant Matthew Vanderpool was right. in this. Yeah. Over yeah. two out of every three races, he won against Wout Van Aert. That was, that was a time. All right. Uh, I guess final final. One uh, final little note for Coke side. Uh, should we talk? Uh, should we get into to post up celebration corner? The uh, the jab, the uppercut, and the uh, the haymaker. <laughs> 
do you, do you, and my, my question is, because again, he won Zonhoven. Are, are we watching like a three-part play here with the, <laughs> with the pugilist? So who, who's his opponent? Is it Vanderpool? Like, okay. And so, yes, Bill, yes, I love that because I hadn't watched Coke so I watched Zonhoven and I saw his thing and then I thought at first were they like wiping the tears away and I was like... Right, out of is... context, it looked like he was like maybe yeah. maybe crying. But then now knowing, watching the Coke Sada highlights and seeing, I'm like, oh, it totally, he's shadow boxing or whatever. Um, I can't wait for the next win. <laughs> oh, he's going he's gonna to win Worlds and do the, uh, do the rope-a-dope. No, you know that if Wout wins Worlds, he's gonna do his. He's gonna do the Titanic again. <laughs> <laughs> the Titanic. If yes. he does the bird, that's just that's that's low. But I mean, it's a flex to to no hand stand up on your bike by itself. So I'm 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 all in on the Titanic as my my prediction. If there's if there's like you know if there's a prop bet for which post up is Wout gonna do when he wins Worlds, I would I would go in on the Titanic. Hulahem. Anything, anything we need to talk about with Hulham, the uh, the biggest local race on the... I, I don't even think I can claim that at this point. There are so many good local races out there, but this is this is certainly one that is a new-ish race that started as an independent race and is is has moved up and is now a series. This almost almost reminds me of like a, of U.S. Cyclocross. You know, you have to prove yourself as a local race, and then you can be on the American Cyclocross class calendar, and that gets you like into the kind of the field for becoming a C two race. And that's that's kind of how these these guys have done it. So I guess with this slate, this slate of races, you know, I posted in the bulletin Slack channel, which all of our uh, paid subscribers get access to, where we we talk about cyclocross, uh, kind of whatever comes up. I was, I was thinking about features a lot, right? Like, I think, you know, Zonhoven has to call. Uh, just has so many, like, iconic sand sections, the climb, you know, the long section, the, what do they call it? The Niels, Al- Niels Albert uh, that one that you were talking about, Bill, with that rut that you ride into or whatever. Uh, so on your power rankings of features, where does this wooden pump track rank? <laughs> is it in your top 10? It, this, this is, <laughs> no, it's so new. It's this like, is, they had it, they had it last year too. Cause I remember showing they did? We were like, oh yeah. Last year was the first year that they had it. Cause they, they changed the, they used to start on the neighborhood road, which was sort of cool. And now they, and they moved the start to uh, in front of the supplements factory, and then you'd sort of make a U-turn and go into this new kind of whoop section. If you look at three years ago, they had these, and Zach, you know, you were talking about, like, it's just some guy out there who's building these and going, hey, this will be cool for the race. They had these, like, they were almost like these box jumps with, like, little ramps. So you had to, like, lift your bike up, two steps and then just sort of like ride down the other side and they would have that and then like 20 or 30 meters of grass and then another one of those and they had like three of them it was like it 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 really looked like something you would just see at your local cross race so i think that was kind of the uh the laboratory for what they could do and then they've come up with this wooden pump track thing i i i don't know it's not on the list, Zach. I mean, first of all, there's no grass on it. If there's no grass on it, I don't care. What is this, a skate park? Get out of here. Well, like, the ones at, the ones at Lowenhout, like, they put, 
they put like carpeting over it. Like they protect those. And I think actually someone rode over them with an ATV. I saw the story that someone vandalized the whoops. Uh, but you know, like that one is legit because of the care. And like you said, there's no grass, there's, there's grass on that one. There's no grass on this one. Yeah. I, I, I the better feature is those mounds that they kind of built up right after it. Like those didn't exist in, in year one either. It used to just be, you know, Hulham was they they built a a sand pit, which when it's when it's groomed correctly is is nice and and a, a legit feature. And then there's this creek that goes down between the property that it's on and the next field over, and that gives them you know a couple little tiny little off cambers and also just adds like this swamp feature that's there even if it's not racing and then you get mud and then uh much to i think the mechanics chagrin they found the lowest place in this field and they said this is where the pit's going so the pit is always just like the biggest mud bog out when i loved my favorite thing about this race was pit two i think it was where it was faster to get a bike and start running with it than to ride in the riding lane (laughs) That was amazing. Now you're, thank you, Zach. That's like needs to be a GIF. And I, I forgot, it's like a GIF or a meme, or I feel like that you could really go viral for that on the cyclocross like social media aggregate, like Instagram, like just using that. Cause yeah, Lars is getting in the pit. <laughs> I mean, it looks almost Benny Hillish the way how fast he was going running next to the guys riding. It's hilarious. Yeah, that's good. On the women's side, I mean, Alvarado again, she's picking her races, I guess, picking wisely, going up against uh, Inga Vanderheiden and uh, Denise Betsema. You know, the the kids kind of took this one off. And this is something, this is a race uh, Alvarado's won before. So I think that she's um, may have some good feelings about the race itself, but definitely not the not the not the strongest field that we've seen on the women's side. I was going to make this point after Lowenhaut, but I'm I'm impressed by uh you know cuz like right in road racing my understanding is that like sometimes if you want to get sponsor time you get in the break early, right? Like you're not going to win the race, you get in the break, you get on TV, your sponsors get lots of shout-outs. And I uh, I like that these kids like Zoe Backstead and Marie Schreiber, they're onto something. They're like what if I just go out so hot? in the first lap and I get get that that key TV time for my sponsors. I mean, Zoe Baxter ended up having a great result. She got fourth place, but you know, Marie Schreiber did at Lowenhout. Um, there was another, I forgot the Czech rider who was there. Uh, I think this is a strategy that more riders should employ to get time for their sponsors. You know, just go ballistic in the first lap. Get off the front. They're like, what's this guy doing here? I don't know, but let's talk about his sponsor because, you know, like Here's his team on. So that I'm just surprised more riders don't like go all in on training their whole shots and then going, you know, just ballistic in the first lap to get that TV time. It's either that or front somersaults and, and um, dismounts and bows. That's the uh, that's the other way. Or yeah. Or yeah. I mean, it's all about like when you get lapped, what do you do? Right. I mean, like what did we see? Cyclos 24 said the, the people, the two riders did the most races during Curse period double XL, which I love, was Wout and Felipe Nystrom. So, um, you know, 
<laughs> like, and Felipe, it's a, it was a screenshot of him being on camera because he's probably getting laps. So we all got to have our thing, you know? That's Lean. true. They're probably, they're, yes, they're, they've done the most races and they've probably seen each other the most because eventually <laughs> Walt's going to find them. Well, and uh, I mean, shout out to the folks from Scrub Zone Cycling. I think it did. They might have done a, they might have done a primer. It was either him or uh, Colin Reuter had done a primer on how to get lapped and the correct etiquette to get lapped. And Ben Frederick got a shout out for his proper getting lapped etiquette. Like Felipe Nystrom got a shout out. I mean, there's so many, right? We're seeing it it was a huge issue at some of these races um, where riders are just getting like, you know, the, the leaders are having to dodge riders. Like kudos to those riders who, who study, who read this guide to how to get lapped and they do it like a scrub zone pro. So I tip my cap to, to Ben and Felipe uh, for that. Um, before we leave Hulahem, I do want to give a shout out to Curtis white top 10. That's his best result I believe in a Euro race, at least a classification race like Super Prestige. Um, Felipe Ortz was like leading the race at one time. Um, so that was fun. And in the women's race, I don't know much about this person, but I believe they're a mountain biker. Annie Last, top 10. Yeah, British uh, mountain biker. She's uh, yeah. she, 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 she did some damage in the uh, World Cup um, a couple years ago. It was a really strong podium, podium rider, UK. And uh, a woman after my heart, she went full black kit. She's just like, she was like, who is this? And they're like, oh, that's Annie Last. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So <laughs> she's, she was she was the rider in the black kit at your group race or group ride. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, I, we're talking actually before we started recording I, in uh, 2018 or 17. I can't remember. It was one of Wild's one. Was it 19? When he came back, uh, twenty twenty at at Dubendorf, he finished fourth, and he was really sad panda about it. That was the comeback year. It was twenty nineteen twenty? Okay, yeah. So that that year, I was able to see him, and in Holham was one of his first races back right. in there, and it was just a a spectacle, and it was amazing, and a huge huge crowd, and you know, it's it's like we we can talk about inflated start money but that guy that guy earns it you know he he get he brings in the people they're getting they're getting their money's worth for whatever they're paying him and uh he seems to like this race but again he's liking every race now so does it even matter should we move on to zonhoven yes let's yeah i mean that's a that's a good segue i think last year we we trolled uh zonhoven uh because uh, it was after it was like r- relatively after jingle cross and the crowd was not what it was used what it used to be and uh i mean it's just been striking to me i, I don't know it's like we've had this good story but it- it's just obvious that these other cyclocross racers do not have the star power and i'm guessing you know going back to the the sven days like you have this star this belgian star and brings the the fans i mean looking at that the call that pit was mind-blowing just the sheer number of fans that were there was just crazy i mean we haven't seen that in recent years and i'm to me it was like the perfect culmination his last race in belgium of like just the star power of what yeah i think i mean i think we've seen it all this curse period and it's been fantastic and we've talked about it and i've just enjoyed it so much and you just see reactions on social media just like yeah what like, yeah, that's that's what a cyclocross event really can be. And that's like the thing that, you know, draws a lot of us in is that just like watching them go down into that sand pit, you know, and you just and 
it's 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 the one it's watching the rider and then it's the the crowd reaction to that rider and it's the shared experience you have with everybody doing that so it's like almost three things that sort of make that such a uh an insane dynamic and yeah i think zach maybe you said this i don't know i saw this all over social media like okay put zonhoven on the list like gotta gotta go as a bucket list race with Deegum now like gotta go to zonhoven so that's sort of like yeah i, I that was I, I left that race uh thinking yeah i want to check this out in life in real life yeah just seeing some of uh our euro correspondent uh ethan glading his his photos have just been everywhere because he had the hookup with the american riders and did a great job but i was just like he nailed it. Like those images from that race. I'm just like, I'm so jealous that you got to do this and go take pictures at this event. So I think you're right, Michael. We'll put it on on the list. Uh, I don't know. I'm only in on the curse period trip next year if met you and Wilder racing. So we can add that to like our trip down the road or whatever. I think we got to pull the trigger on that one next year. Yeah, it's also it's it's if you look at how they do that. One, if you're spectating, yes, you you want to be in that bowl to be able to witness in real life these people going at insane speeds down this sand cliff and two i think it's the only place you can go so again it's one of these things where it's a smart race organization that is just pushing everybody into this one section so huge crowd yes but made to look even bigger because you don't have an option. And again, I mean, we've talked about it in the past about how this is one of the things that I think U.S. Cross could do a better job and just kind of like hurting people into one area. There, This is like you have a focal point. Everybody is there. There are these huge hills that people can just camp out on, and it just looks incredible. I mean, it's the most some of the most iconic cycling shots out there with those huge crowds and that descent. I'm glad you brought this up. I was thinking to myself, there are some spots like where – uh, you can go that aren't in Decal. I want to go interview fans who go to Zonhoven and go stand in these spots where it's just a random grassy area at an iconic race. You can go up to any super prestige in Belgium. It's probably an hour drive from your house and go stand in a field. And they choose that over going into the most amazing, like incredible environment. Like maybe they've been eight times. They're like, I don't need to do that. Maybe they want to get on TV. I don't know. I just want to go interview these people and like literally, literally, why are you standing here? What? Why? Like why? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no room in the go cold. get in the pit, man. There was still room in the pit. There's always room in the pit. In the pit. In the pit. <laughs> Let's open up this pit. Should we talk about Shireen the Sand Queen once again? Yeah, you, you, you can. I I think I I saw some. Uh, apologist is the wrong word for it, but some some kind of like giving Femme and Puck kind of the benefit of the doubt that, okay, maybe they are better skilled and better racers. They just, you know, had some bad luck and had some crashes. And I, I, I have a feeling you all will agree with me. It's like, doesn't matter. Shireen just rode this better and she stayed on her bike. Hence, won the race. I, I, I think there's something, I think that, again, like, maybe I'm just seeing this and she is getting the respect, but it seems like she's still, even having put together a near-perfect race, is not getting the respect for doing so because there are flashier racers who have proven themselves to be fast behind You know her. what a good solution for that would be, Bill? I, I, 
I think she needs to come silence the haters. I think she needs to silence the haters and race that elite race. Ooh. All right. <laughs> Damn. I didn't know where you were going. I like it. I like it. I think I think I think they have to now, right? I think watching that race, um so you had Femme big two big crashes right away. Um and Puck Puck sending it. But one thing I sort of my main takeaway from Puck's race was this I, this analogy I used before, or she kept tin tin cupping it. She kept trying to stick that line. She's like, "Oh, I failed." Let me like, and she kept trying to do the same thing over and over again. She's like, "Cause she's like, I'm good enough. I can." There's one section where you're coming up at the camera. It's like a little run. It's like you can ride it or you can run it. And Puck almost stopped and like was sitting there like almost track standing to stay on the bike because she like wanted to commit to the ride. Whereas if you watch Shireen, at some point she started running down one of those 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 uh, downhills because it was just like efficient and more faster. And it's just like that was like smooth as fast. And that's just what Shireen is able to do. I, I, I think you guys are right. She's a very smart bike racer and she's looking at all the time analyzing where she can sort of like be faster on the course and have better, keep her momentum on and off the bike quicker. And you know what? Also, she just rode things better. She rode thing. There's someone, someone did a video where they compared her and Wout riding one of the ruts. And like, they, like, I think Sharina rode it better. And just, yeah, like you, she's got to get the respect now. I think it, it's clear that she is, is, is that good. Um, and I, I think, I think that was the reason why, she was able to do and win the race. Just, just sort of that, yeah, saving time, keeping energy, keeping momentum, smooth as fast. I feel like she also had better race recon on it. And you look at the main descent where Femme had a lot of issues and also uh, Puck had issues as well. And they were all having it rider. They were taking that rider right we're looking viewer left, rider right line down the big hill. Shireen was rider left and then would hit that middle line, you know, had that had that rut just nailed and then she would sort of float over into the middle and then be able to ride it clean. And she kind of stuck with her line for, for most of the race and, and had no issues with it. So I, I think it's even just in, in basic preparation and – than execution she she you know got a pluses on, on on both of those i guess bill my question for you is do you think that some of this is the sven effect i mean <clears throat> riding with the lions they do a lot of sand training and you know shireen the the sand queen then I, I just that was the thing that was going through my head watching this was like i wonder how much she's really benefited from the training that the lions do and that that tutelage because you know i mean sven does a great job of of being a mentor and teaching this riders we saw what he did for lucinda brand's cyclocross game and uh you know i wonder if there's that coaching is really starting to pay off um and she's kind of really reaping the benefits of it i i think i think it is and i i don't i don't know that that the the other riders are, are are getting that same benefit, and then you have, and I think everybody's on the same page when they're doing that. I think Lucinda's riding those same lines. I think Tebow's riding those same lines, and they're sort of talking, you know, again having seen them at these practices, they're talking about these things as a team. It is an actual team. They gave themselves a mascot. They're the Lions. They're like they're like a sports team, you know, and 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 they they treat it like that. And I think that is, 
maybe not exclusive, but different than than most most of the squads finger quote squads that are that are out there. So I, th- I think there's definitely something to that. Puck ends up 37 seconds behind Femme Van Ampel, 54 seconds behind. Just you know, Shireen just showing that that she's she's the best out there. But then, then they're saying right. These are these are also you know something we haven't talked about. These are specialist races. I know she can do other things, and she's proven herself. She's won all these races. But these are like these these let's see who's good in the sand. And again, we're looking at world championships not a sand race it's a it's it's a pretty you know hoger Heide is a pretty traditional course you got a big staircase and you got a couple off cambers but then it's just you know a lot of riding riding through the woods so so it's a whole different whole different ball game that i don't know i don't that's i'm just like sort of thinking about this out loud because i don't know where to put any of this i don't know what this says for those other races other than that right now i'm kind of agreeing with Michael that she might be the best cyclocross racer in the world Wout's right there with her but maybe maybe (laughs) she takes it right now so this is a good time for trivia question number two so I went to I had an arbitrary time frame on this and I don't know I feel like probably about I, I picked eight years ago that I think the women's cyclocross game really started to come into its own and it's think when people started to take notice so uh, I identified there were five sand races. I probably forgot one, but Heaton, uh, Skeldacross, Antwerp, Mall, Coxida, and Zonhoven. So I said, all right, there's five. Did I miss one? Are there any races, other races that you would consider a sand race? We'll just go with that. That's a good sample. Okay. Well, I, we have to because it's what I have in my spreadsheet. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So during that time frame, you guys obviously know who the top performer in that time span was uh, in winning these races i'm, I'm gonna say sonic Khan. yes she had 11 all right we take out the the first two years when she was really really good so we take those years out she's not the top anymore uh so we're looking at beginning in 2017 2018 onward who has won the most of those sand races it's a squeaker i would say Betsima. You are correct. Michael is nailing. Did you do your homework? I told you there were going to be trivia questions, Michael. And I didn't say what they were going to be about. No, I, yeah, I just, I studied everything. Just general knowledge. Okay. Of All right. So, so, so Betsima has four. Uh, and now there are one, two, three, four, five, six tied with three, but one of them's caught. So who are the other five who are tied with three sand winds? Uh, Voss. No, so I was thinking about this. Like these were normally October races. Like, oh, okay. She, so she wasn't. She there. hasn't won any. She's never won any of these five races in the last. Well, in the last eight years. So Brand. Yes, that's one. You know, one because we just talked about it. Alvarado. It's two. Um, in the last, what are we doing? Five years. Uh, I think six. Six years. Uh, worst. Worst. Shireen. Talk. Okay, Shireen in there. And then there's one more. Hmm. They all came in one season. One magical October to remember. I've talked about this on Twitter before. Mod Capitans. Yes! Oh my wow. God! <laughs> Michael, you need to go to a fucking casino, man. Like, wow. Damn. I'm going to trivia. You are on fire tonight. 
Wow. That's that's incredible. The other two were uh, Femme Van Empel 1-1 and then uh, Yolian for sure and Rest in Peace 1-1. When you talk about October to remember, you think about those those riders who had a brief moment. The other one I was going to say was Kim Vandersteen, right? The, the infamous she, like... I think she was the 2018 October to remember if I remember. But Mod Captains won everything in the beginning of the season in 2017. Nicely done. Okay. I like it. Fantastic. I, the, the, the one thing, one last, or one last note for me on Coke just was talking, thinking about Femme and sort of, you know, she fought Val de Soleil, crashed, um, but she came back at night. Uh, GP Svenaiza won that race, has gone second, now has gone third. She talked about having a cold before the race, and then she crashed twice, really bad. And then you could see how timid she was um during that race but she got third so it's like not so bad of a finish and you know if she can get a little bit of her mojo back um i i don't know i i think she still could be you know a force i mean i i still consider her top three part of the wonderkins but i just i just wasn't sure where she was going to be after battle soleil and watching uh gb said nice watching her dominate on the, on the airplane while I was waiting to take off. Um, and then seeing these races, I, I feel like she's still, she's still there. Um, yeah. I'm not too worried about her. I think what I'm hearing from you, Michael, <clears throat> are you making a vibes based argument for the world championships? I think you're arguing that the world championships this year is going to be all about who has the vibes. And I say this, I'm just going to get this in, um, was watching, it's an annual celebration for me as a Bears fan, the Packers get eliminated from the playoffs day. And that was <laughs> last night, we're recording this on Monday. I was just telling my, like, Rodgers was, was just not making plays. And I was like, guys, he doesn't have vibes anymore. Like, Rodgers in the past just had vibes that he would have won that game. Yep. And when you lose vibes... He lost them. If we've learned anything this season, if you don't have vibes, you're you're in trouble uh and so i I think what i'm hearing michael like clearly van empel doesn't have vibes shireen does have vibes right now and so is that what we should really be watching for in the next couple weeks is who who's vibing going into hooger to go back to what we're talking about earlier i mean puck has like kind of the best vibes i'm sorry you watch her gopro videos or bike check video like her little crew has the best vibe so she's like in vibes level she's riding high um and she's got the skills, so I don't know. Like I'm, I'm gonna pick. I'm spreading my picks around. Obviously, I've named all. <laughs> but three. I'm talking winning vibes. I'm talking more race vibes, not independent of that. Like vibes in terms of like how they're racing, or like what they're doing on the cyclocross course. Are you saying Shireen Van Anroy's the Jared Goff of cyclocross? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> I like this. I was trying to pull up the uh the Dutch um uh the Dutch national championship starting list and it's it's pretty amazing. It's just kind of this printout with I think everybody's name on it. It doesn't matter if you're an amateur, elite or whatever. So I really can't tell who's racing what but i think that this might be the elites and i don't think that shireen is on here this is monday so things could change it could um are they televising this race it's always a question 
right? Like, <laughs> this is like the, the like pseudo world championships. Uh, like, can we watch it? <laughs> as far as I can tell, Shireen Van Enroy is not on the U23 start list either. So, <laughs> who knows? Who knows oh, what's man. going on? This is like the nightmare of when I was at Cyclocross Magazine when they had bad start lists and they'd be like, you forgot these people. And it's like, I, I, I just printed the start list. And I'm like, <laughs> I didn't do it. Like, it's not my fault. Like, I, that's the start list. <laughs> it was always my worst nightmare. All right. Uh, <laughs> we are well uh, far afield. That's my fault. Uh, Zonhoven, we haven't really talked about the men's race yet. Just to... to- to to quote my good friend and listener of the show, uh, Zach Thomas, wow, does God. Um, that's, yeah, that's my recap. <laughs> I, it reminded me, I don't know, there was a year when he won Namur. I'm just going to say it was 2018 would be my guess. Like, right, one of his few wins. Um, and I just remember the deafening sound of just people cheering. And I think, like, he was waving to the crowd or whatever. Is that was that the equivalent of a you know was that equivalent of a curtain call when you come out of the dugout you know you hit the go ahead home run uh, come out everyone's cheering for you come out of the dugout and tip your cap to the crowd and they go bonkers because that was such a cool moment. The guy can pretty much do whatever he wants. So yes, I think so. I, th- I think it definitely he's 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 had the luxury of taking some victory laps this year. Uh, but yeah, just when he like gave an acknowledgement to the crowd, like when he was exiting the call for the last time, I don't know. I, I thought that was really cool. And I think, again, as one of my themes today of Wout just being the consummate professional in the showman, like he knows that he has fans. He knows that these people love him and he got gave, you know, he gives them that little bit uh, as an athlete. And I thought that was that was just a really cool, cool moment. And I think it just like, you know, the fans were giving him the love and he was sharing the love back with his his Belgian uh, chain smoking people. Um, I guess I'm looking at the time here. Um, one thing, just thinking about this race, looking at the way they ride it. And once again, I don't know, like there's such, there's always interesting parallels. Um, Vanderpool crashing, uh, multiple times, you know, it's, I wouldn't want to say he did the same thing as Puck where he was trying to stick the lines or trying to ride something, but it's almost like this, it's like, He's used to being able to do those things. He knows that he can do those things and has that control and like not and then kind of being like caught up and then like, you know, going over the bars. And like, I think at one point he, maybe I'm thinking of Femme, like he went over the bars and there was like, a, there was a moment where he just like, like a slight beat. We're just like, what? Like I crashed there. Um, and I just, just kind of thought that was a notable thing. Um, you know, him hanging out with Mikey V and Sweek was 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 kind of fun to see where i guess he was resting and then he said you know after in the interview that like he could like give a half a lap of a pace and then you know then then his back was hurting so yeah um yeah but wasn't he he was just getting in the way of the world cup race there you know he should have just like moved to let those guys battle it out you right know? That, that was, was a pretty a, good that was an important too. fight yeah no and uh, who came ahead in that one, guys? And the man, Lawrence Swick, just like, you know. Yeah, he. The Sand Devil, two races in a row, taking that third place position. Mr. Sand Devil himself. Okay. Increased his, increased his lead in the World Cup. 
So I was just like going to his results. Like he had that hot streak, right? The big two and a half came. He kind of like, I mean, he, he was around, but he wasn't, you know, we weren't talking about Suik as much. So two thirds in a row in the sand races. Is, is that essentially a win? Are we, are we calling those dubs for Suik? Like, right? But for he's winning the World Cup, like he's he's ahead in the World Cup, I think by like twenty two. Yes, those are those are those dubs. dubs for this week, Master. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean Valdisol heard him, right? I mean that's where uh, Van Tornout picked up the win, and he got what like fourth or something like that. And then, but since then, he's been uh, he's basically just been holding serve, which is all he has to do now until till the end, and he. He gets the jersey, so two more two more rounds is that uh, Sweck needs just to be at just stay. I mean, all he needs to do is is watch Van Torn out. That's yep. all. That's all that Sweck needs to do for the for the rest rest of these races. It'd be great, you know, if he wins them. But I think his main goal is just to to keep Mikey V in the picture, and if he can try to beat him, but if not, be like right around him, and I think then he'll be he'll be fine. To bring things full circle, my other thing I was thinking about to Michael's tin cup reference, uh, I, it just it seemed to me in the women's race the the first descent, the big, it seemed deeper and fluffier, you know. And then there are all these rides. I don't I'm surprised that they, you know, they could they could have a whole thing. They could have like the grounds crew, you know, like a baseball games where they come out and they do the YMCA and they 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 rake the ground or whatever. <laughs> send out the grounds crew between the races and fluff that up and you know make it even even crazier do whatever the 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 belgian equivalent of the ymca is i don't know i like it i like it i so i i remember i had one question watching the race if you're the race promoter course designer you have these two descents into the the coal and at some point riders are choosing to run down what are you thinking are you thinking like Yes, that's what I wanted. Or okay, no, that's not like. What did I do wrong? That second one was really gnarly. I mean, that one was deep, and there were only two ruts, and there were only ever two ruts in both races that we watched, um, which I think was a new section. They were saying so. It was definitely kind of interesting. Um, maybe it's. I mean, it was an advantage to ride it. I th- I think right. I mean, it seemed like it was a little bit quicker to ride versus to to run down it. Yeah, I guess I'm asking, like, do you think, like, are do you feel like you succeeded if you're you have this feature and then like people are running down it? I don't know. Like, I, I must no, feel like- I think you, I think you make it hoping that people are going to ride it. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the that's kind of the goal, and I think that I, I believe that if they were to groom those hills between the women's elite and men's elite races or even before the women's elite too there would be a a rider revolt and possible protest i know i was thinking about that 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 is true i guess i was thinking that in pre-ride they would cut some lines into it um but i don't know it just in the men's race it just i mean god the men went down so fast in the first lap i was just like i want to go just to see that incredible accomplishment of like bike racing like my god they were going down so fast. Be all right. I, it would be really unsafe, from being honest. All right. Any anything else we uh, need to cover here in this one? We got a whole slew of national championship races 
coming up, which, you know, most importantly means that uh, Clara and uh, Bruner will finally reap the awards of their uh, U.S. National Championship points haul. That's uh, right. In the next uh, <laughs> UCI that have been held back until Nationals week. That's the punishment. That's the that's the punishment the U.S. gets for having uh, early Nationals is that their points are uh, in um, in escrow until until National Championship week. I know I know Jan is gonna give us his feedback, but uh, Curtis won. Curtis won. Oh, Curtis, Curtis. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> Don't slide him Curtis. anymore. Apparently, we never picked him for nationals, but I swear one yeah, of us did. More bulletin, more bulletin board material for him. Yeah. All right. Sorry, Bill. Oh, it's all good. Uh, yeah. So we'll come back next week and 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 do that one, and uh, we'll we'll see y'all then. The Slow Ride Podcast, three idiots who are usually wrong. The Slow Ride Podcast, the titanium of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast. It's like if David Vanderpool had a podcast. The Slow Ride Podcast, the Zwift Racing of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, find the real advice. The Slow Ride Podcast, the arrow helmet of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, sport leader coming through. The Slow Ride Podcast, when's Lance gonna sue us? The Slow Ride Podcast, the experts in French cycling. The Slow Ride Podcast. Official Fan Experience Zone on Facebook. The Slow Ride Podcast, the gravel bike of podcasts. The Slow Ride Podcast, both vertically and horizontally compliant. The Slow Ride Podcast. New episodes every Tuesday.